It's one o'clock. I'm Judd Boas. The headlines. NPC member Tam Yoo Chung says there are unlikely to be legal challenges to the Hong Kong National Party ban. The Land Supply Task Force chairman plays down its preliminary report, and the U.S. is set for a multi-million-dollar arms deal with Taipei amid strained ties with Beijing. A local deputy to the National People's Congress Standing Committee, Tam Yoo Chung, says the administration was careful to avoid attracting judicial reviews over the decision to ban the pro-independence Hong Kong National Party by giving it ample opportunity to state its case. Tom McAlinden reports. After announcing the intention to ban the party, the Security Bureau extended the deadline for it to respond three times. Mr. Tam said this would make it harder for anyone to launch a judicial review over the matter. Pro-democracy parties have said they opposed the ban because it's narrowed people's freedom of expression. But Mr. Tam said anyone who dislikes the idea of Hong Kong independence should agree with the decision. In an extraordinary gazette published on Monday, the government said the move was ordered by the Secretary for Security, John Lee. The party's convener, Chan Ho Tin, said in a WhatsApp message that he had no response for the time being. The ban had been under consideration for months, with the administration saying the party was a threat to national security and public safety. The chairman of the government-appointed Land Supply Task Force, Stanley Wong, has reiterated that a preliminary report it submitted to the government yesterday contained no in-depth analysis or scientific data, and was meant only for a point of reference for Chief Executive Carrie Lam to compile her policy address due next month. Mr. Wong was asked whether he thinks the government should refrain from making any detailed plans until after it receives the task force final report, in case it turns out to be different from the draft. I'm, I'm not so sure you know, how the um, policy address will touch upon different land supply options, but definitely uh, the chief executive is aware that the proper consultation is still ongoing and that uh, she is aware of all the working timetable of the task force. Uh, we have yet to close our proper consultation as well as to analyse all the information and data being collected and to come up with a recommendation report by the end of the year. So I'm sure she will pay due respect to um, the report. The preliminary report listed five options that the task force said were the most widely discussed, including developing brownfield plots, reclamation outside Victoria Harbour, and partnering with private developers to build homes on farmland. A 79-year-old man is in a critical condition after a lantern caught fire at his Sao Mao Ping home last night. His 80-year-old wife was also injured but is now in a stable condition. Police said they received a report from the couple at around 1am, but when officers arrived, they had already put out the fire themselves. The U.S. State Department has authorised the sale of a batch of military spare parts to Taipei. Alex Price has the details. The 330 million US dollar contract includes standard parts for several aircraft, including the F-16 fighter and C-130 cargo plane. Congress has 30 days to raise objections to the sale, though it's unlikely, given that the State Department has determined that Taiwan continues to be an important force for regional stability. Meanwhile, Mr Trump's latest tariffs against Beijing target another $200 billion worth of imports. The move means about half of China's exports to the US are now subject to duties. Adding to strained relations, the US recently sanctioned a Chinese military procurement organisation over arms purchases from Russia, drawing a sharp protest from Beijing and the decision to postpone planned military talks. 
President Trump has again defended his candidate for Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who's faced growing calls for his withdrawal from the nomination. Mr. Trump said he hoped that Judge Kavanaugh would be confirmed quickly, and it would be sad if something happened to reroute the process. For his part, Mr. Kavanaugh said he would not be intimidated into pulling out of the race after two women accused him of sexual assault. He was speaking on Fox News. I'm not going to let false accusations drive us out of this process. And um, you know, we're looking for a fair process where I can be heard and defend the, my integrity, my lifelong record, my lifelong record of promoting dignity and equality for women, starting with the, the women who knew me when I was 14 years old. One of Mr. Kavanaugh's accusers, Christine Blasey Ford, said she was frightened, but fear would not hold her back from testifying. You're listening to the news on RTHK. The time has just gone five past one. Staying with U.S. politics and the White House says President Trump will meet his Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein on Thursday. Mr. Rosenstein earlier met with the President's Chief of Staff amid intense speculation he was about to lose his job. Some reports said he was willing to resign, others that he would be sacked. The events come just days after the New York Times reported Mr. Rosenstein had last year discussed ways to remove President Trump. The first ever ranking of countries' relative levels of human capital has found that countries that fail to invest in health and education risk economic stagnation. The 25-year study published in the Lancet Medical Journal says Finland has the greatest economic boost as a result of spending on human capital. The BBC's Nicholas Roja reports. The study of the past quarter of a century highlights the need for policymakers to invest in their populations. Otherwise, the economies of the countries will pay the price. Ranking 195 countries by their human capital, it shows that the United States, for example, has fallen behind from 6th in 1990 to 27th in 2016. It says this is due in part to its minimal progress in educational attainment. In contrast, China and other Asian countries showed notable improvement in their human capital and in the growth of their economies. A Russian court has sentenced opposition leader Alexei Navalny to another 20 days in jail following his earlier release from prison. He had served a 30-day sentence for staging an unauthorized protest in January, demanding a boycott of the Russian presidential election. Mr. Navalny, a most prominent critic of President Putin, was immediately detained again and charged with breaching legislation on protests. A public inquiry has begun in Britain into a contaminated blood scandal which devastated the lives of thousands of patients across the country in the 1970s and 80s. Nearly 3,000 people died. One victim, Jonathan Evans, had haemophilia and died in 1993 after contracting HIV from a blood clotting treatment. His son Jason, who founded a campaign group, said it was hard to believe how long they had waited for an inquiry. It really does, you know, beg belief how thousands of people could have died. More than practically all of the modern day disasters uh, combined together in this country. And that until now, the government have never seen it fit to formally investigate as to how that could have happened. 
The American comedian Bill Cosby has been in a sentencing hearing for drugging and molesting a woman in 2004. A judge in Pennsylvania is expected to sentence him on Tuesday following his conviction in April on three criminal counts of aggravated indecent assault. At the hearing, the woman, Andrea Constand, asked the court for justice. Several others of Cosby's victims were also present. To sport and at FIFA's Footballer of the Year awards, the men's winner was Luka Modric. The Croatian captain ended Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi's decade-long domination of football's individual awards. The BBC's Richard Conway was at the ceremony in London. It's been an incredible 12 months for Luka Modric, of course, helping Real Madrid to a third consecutive Champions League victory, and then, of course, taking Croatia to that World Cup final. They were beaten by France, but it was a remarkable achievement, which he, of course, captained and helped drive forward. Tonight, he's been crowned in London as the FIFA men's best player for the season. This is what he had to say about winning the award. It's been a great year for me. Uh, to win Champions League, to win so many trophies with Madrid, with uh, Croatia as a captain, reach World Cup final, to win some individual awards. It's, it's been amazing years. It's difficult to find the words to describe how good year it was and uh, just um, really amazing. The other big winners on the night were Marta, the Brazilian player. She, of course, plays her club football for Orlando Pride. But in winning this award yet again, she's marked herself out as the dominant women's player of her generation. Didier Deschamps uh, won the Best Men's Coach Award after taking France to that World Cup victory. And Thibaut Courtois was named Best Goalkeeper for his performances uh, for Belgium at the World Cup and for Chelsea. But, of course, he is another Real Madrid player now. Uh, he signed for them over the this has been a great night for him and, of course, for Luka Modric, his colleague. Uh, no Lionel Messi here tonight, no Cristiano Ronaldo. This was about Luka Modric. This was his night. And that's the news from RTHK. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. Stay. 